0: Last week, uh, we started a series, Star Trek, and uh, we're talking about parenting in a new world. And if you weren't here, I'd encourage you, uh, in the worship guide, there's a way to download so that you can get kind of caught up. Uh, But as parents, it really is a strange new world, isn't it? And we are to boldly go, and sometimes not so boldly, where no generations gone before. I mean, uh, it's, it's off the charts these days if you're a parent. And uh, I'm operating in this series with some assumptions up front. One, I believe that children are a gift from God. I also believe that God has expressed, given parents, the responsibility of raising their children. And I believe as the psalmist that... Every child, every person is fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are one of a kind. There's, there's no one like us, never has been, never will be. And, and since each child's unique, parenting is unique. There, there's not one parenting pattern or one book you can pick up and, and go, okay, this is how you do it. The fact is there are some common elements, but you need to customize to some degree. And... Uh, Parents are in the unique position of getting to choose how they're going to parent. And we talked last week a little bit about there are really kind of three philosophies. One is you just kind of toss them out there and see what happens. And I'm not sure that's parenting, but that happens. The other is you kind of experiment and you look to culture and to trends and what's hot and what's not. And you get your cues for parenting And then the last way is that we look to God's standards for parenting. And uh, it was interesting last week from this perspective because I asked how many people believe that people are not as honest today as they were 50 years ago. And it was like a unanimous vote. And then we said, well, are people more likely to cheat today, to, to steal, to lie And then ultimately said, how many of us believe that culture is moving the wrong direction? And again, almost unanimous, if it it wasn't. I never saw a hand differently, but we're just off the charts on this one. We are going the wrong direction. And here's the thing about culture. Our children, the kids that are in the zone right now, will create culture in 15 or 20 years. And so there's a lot at stake. And I'll be honest with you, as I hear people talk about our culture today, they'll say things like, what's wrong with the young people today? You know, I I can't believe our culture today. And this is just my assessment. You know, I mean, I wonder where we're heading as a culture. But if we are really concerned with where culture's heading, I don't think we focus on what's wrong with kids. It's the wrong side of the equation. If we are going to turn the tide, we've got to focus on parenting. That's the right side of the equation. Parents have the greatest influence on their children of anyone. And our children create culture, and so here's my line of thinking, influence the children... And you change culture, and you impact culture. And I'm going to say up front that good parenting, for those in the trenches, it requires incredible courage today. It takes a great deal of wisdom, and it takes a strong heart if you're going to navigate through it. I mean, if we're to boldly go where we need to as parents, it's going to take all that. You know, one of the Star Trek series, I didn't realize there were so many of them, but... One of them is Deep Space Nine. Now, I'm just curious. Any Deep Space Nine fans out there? Any? Okay. One, two, a couple. They, uh, it's interesting. Those that are really into it go, well, it's technically DS9. But uh, anyway, DS9. How many parents do we have that are in the trenches right now? Let me see your hands. All right. Well, I know that sometimes parenting feels like you're in deep space. You 're out there alone it's demanding The fact is it 's easy to lose your navigational bearings, so to speak, but sometimes, in an attempt to do everything that we think we need to as parents, we end up with a lot of motion, a lot of commotion um, we We accomplish very little when it's said and done in fact. I believe sometimes you get going so fast that what happens is you end up majoring in the minors as a parent. And what I want to do is look at the Deep Space Nine today. The things that I believe will help us get back on track. Now I want you to remember our prime directive. We spent our entire session last week on this one, and that is to make God known. The prime directive is it's to take precedence over everything that we do as parents. It's the most important thing we do. If we fall down on this one, all the other stuff won't matter. Every activity in our life ought to revolve and orbit around that. Number one activity because it impacts absolutely everything. It impacts how you live as parents. It impacts how your children will live. It impacts how you make decisions, how your kids will make decisions. It impacts the joy and the peace that you will experience and that your child can experience in life. And ultimately, this one impacts eternity. So here we go. We're going to go DS9. I'm going to give you nine things that I believe we have to integrate into our parenting. And I'm only going to deal with four of them today, okay? The first is we've got to build their force field. Get to it. Build their force field. I mean, if you think about it, um, in, in Star Trek, the force field was kind of this hedge of, of energy that was around And it was used for protection to keep them safe. Uh, If somebody was going to attack them, they they would put up the force field. Well, I want to suggest to you that children need to have a very strong force field around them to navigate in life. And what I'm talking about is building strong self-esteem because that becomes a force field that allows kids to navigate, to make good decisions in their life. And I know as I say that, some of you just hearing that, I mean, there's been so much talk about self-esteem. that, that we kind of go, oh, that's just a buzzword, you know, it's psycho mumbo-jumbo, it, it doesn't amount to a hill of beans. And I want to scream, there is nothing that could be further from the truth on this one. Parents, one of the most important things that you can build into your child, is letting them know that they matter. And in fact, I would up that. You you have to convince them that they are fearfully made, that they are wonderfully made, that they matter above everything, that they're important. You know, the psalmist writes, "For, for it was you, he's talking to God, who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, what's it say? That I know very well. That sounds like self-esteem. It's based on how God created us. You know, your child, your grandchildren, your neighborhood kids that run around that you have contact with, they need to know they matter. They need to know they matter to you that they matter to other people, that they matter to God, that they're unique, that they're important, that they're valuable, that they're irreplaceable, that they are loved and cared for. And it is important that they have that sense of value. And they know who they are, that they understand that. I remember years ago I read, read a story about a little boy named Robbie. It stuck with me all, all these years. But this little boy grew up in a home where he wasn't loved, where he was told constantly that he, he was no good. Their, their marriage was falling apart. And, and this 8-year-old boy wrote this. He wrote, Mom, Dad, I'm sorry that I make you so unhappy. You know, I'm sorry I'm bad. I'm sorry. Maybe, Maybe if I wasn't alive... Dad, you could love Mommy. I'm sorry. It's my fault. So I'm going to die. I love you. And he signed it, Robbie. He put a little P.S. He said, Teddy's with me because he loves me when I'm bad. And after that little boy wrote that in crayon, he downed a bottle of aspirin. And he laid down to die. Fortunately, People found him. He received the kind of medical care he needed. Ultimately was committed to a psych ward for a long time. And I remember reading that story, and I'm thinking, what could possibly be wrong with that little boy? What would drive an eight-year-old child to that kind of despair? And friends, it is an overwhelming sense that they didn't matter. And I've heard this with, with other kids, you know, the, the battle, that struggle. The fact is that they're a bother, that they're a problem, that they're a negative, an interruption. And, friends, that kind of source of, of worthlessness, it cuts deep. I mean, basically, the little boy wished he didn't even exist. Parents, hear me, grandparents, neighbors you do not know how desperately a young child wants to be loved, wants to be valued, wants to be treasured. You know, a lot of times, I believe we love our children, but sometimes we don't express it to them. And I want to give you three A's, so it's easy to remember. Ways to share your love in ways that kids understand. Of all ages. One is affirmation. Affirmation. You know, I have sat with too many adults through the years. I remember sitting with one guy, and he basically said that his mom and dad had destroyed him with words. And he said it had taken him years to work through it. He'd spent thousands in counseling. And I remember him saying to me, you know, if God would ever entrust me with my own children, they are going to hear affirmations all the time. All the time. Proverbs writes, the tongue has the power of life, and unfortunately, and death. We need to tell our children, the kids around us, we need to affirm them with love. We need to say it with words. We need to say it a 100 times. We need to say it 500 times. We need to say it a 1,000 times. And when you've done that, do it 10,000 times. I mean, you need to go over and over and over encouraging them and affirming them and who they are. You know, to say, Carrie, Jenny, you are precious. You matter. Look at me. Look in my eyes. You are a great kid, and I am proud of you. You know, Ken, you are a -a one-of-a-kind design. You know, I love the way you smile. I love the way you run. I love your sense of humor. I love the way you approach life, that you engage. And if I could choose someone, I'd choose you out of a million kids. And friends, let me tell you, those kind of words, those are powerful. You never get tired of hearing that. I was thinking about it. I'm I'm 46, and I still love to hear my parents say that still do. there's just something special about it. You know Matthew 3:17, Jesus is being baptized and uh, God speaks from heaven and says, "This is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. That sounds like affirmation to me. It sounds like God affirming Jesus. Affirm. Here's another one. Attention. Attention. Spending time with them. Communicates to them, Mom and Dad are crazy about you. Grandma and Grandpa are crazy about you. Your neighborhood's crazy about you. You spell love, T-I-M-E, time. When you spend time with your kids... It screams, I love you. In fact, I believe one of the greatest gifts that you can give someone is spending time listening to them. There's something that happens when you look in the eyes of another human being and you listen to them and it says, you matter to me. You matter to me. I want to hear what you have to say. You're important, powerful, powerful self-esteem boosters. And you know, there's something interesting. If you give a child that kind of attention, they're paying attention. You know, because what happens is those looks, those smiles, those moments, they, they take them and they embed them in the photographs of their mind. You know, they create a mental uh, kind of scrapbook, if you would, and they carry that their entire lives attention. Give them attention. Give them affection. Give them affection. They need lots of hugs, lots of touches, lots of kisses. They need to feel it. And guys, dads, do not let a day go by without affording your kids some kind of affectionate touch. You know, a pat on the head. If they're little, chase them around. Gather them up once in a while. Hold them. Smother them. And definitely, okay, I've raised my two daughters. It changes over the years, okay? It just, it changes. But I don't care what age a child is or how old they get. They still long to be touched, to be loved. And and those warm caresses, those chases around the house, they're not forgotten very quickly. We're going to talk a lot more about that in our last uh, session in this series. But it's part of how you bless children. You know, my, my prayer is that it motivates us, that, that we focus on on building that force field of self-esteem for our kids because it will allow them to say no to things when the peers are putting the pressure on them. It, it's a hedge of protection. Here's the other one. Enroll them in Starfleet Academy. You know, this this is where... Future members uh, in Star Trek, they would go for training. And it's where they kind of cut their teeth. They developed their skills, figured out where they fit in. They they learned to fly, so to speak. And, and so what I'm suggesting, parents, it's school time. And you get to be the teacher. You have to be the teacher. You know, for, for children, I, I know it's essential that they develop strong self-esteem that they need to know they, they, they are worth something. But equally as important to their development is that they have a sense of competence, you know, that they can do something when, when they grow up, that their self-esteem has to do with value. Competency has to do with ability. You know, and a child needs both. They need both of these things. You know, I, I get a little bit concerned inside when I'm around parents and they'll say something like this. I go, oh, you know, our little Tony, he's so adorable. He's so adorable. He is the greatest gift of our life. We tell him all the time he, he's nine years old. He doesn't do any of his homework. He's flunking out of school. He can't write very good, and he doesn't behave very good. But, but we, don't, we don't press him. You know, we just keep assuring him he's our little treasure. Now, don't misunderstand me. I mean, when I hear that, I think, you know what? Tony may grow up and have great self esteem, but he's going to find out in the not too distant future that good self esteem is not going to deliver the diploma, it's not going to secure the future, it's not going to land that challenging job, it's not going to pay the rent. In life, and somewhere along the way, as parents, we have to integrate into our kids the importance of responsibility, the importance of developing competence in their life so that they can earn wages, so that they are able to pay their bills, so that they're able to take care of that stuff. I mean, you know, it is imperative. Proverbs writes, It says, In all labor, there's profit. In all labor, there's profit. But mere talk leads only to poverty. Parents, early on, early in your children's life, you need to enroll them in the Starfleet Academy. Early on, begin to establish with them how how you're gonna help them grow and train. You need to instruct them, you need to inspire. Your, your, your kids in this, you know, academically and athletically and mechanically and musically, you know, artistically, you know, domestically, relationally, you need to work in those areas where they're they're gifted and help them them develop as a person. You know, I believe that as parents, we have to give our children ample challenges in life, an opportunity, age age appropriate, okay, responsibilities you know i'm not saying send your kindergartner out and say okay fix the truck i'll be back you know but define things that help them grow because gradually what happens is they will develop an inner satisfaction that only only achievement provides you know, i think i've shared before but i remember when my girls were little early early grade school okay And we were working out in the yard. We were living in Palmyra at the time. And uh, I, I asked them to put some stakes in the garden. And I showed them where I wanted the stakes. And so I walked off, and I was working, doing something else in the yard. And I watched. They worked for about, oh, 30 seconds. They decided the ground was too hard. And they walked over, and they sat down on the steps to our back door. And I immediately, because this is how I think, I'm like, opportunity to teach him something. And I walked over and said, girls, what are we doing? Oh, nothing, Dad. Just couldn't get that in the ground. I'm like, girls, in the real world, you're going to find that almost everything you do is tougher than you think. And I've been in the world for a while now, and here, here's my conclusion about life. That almost everything I've tried is much more complicated than I thought. And the ground, well, it's harder than you thought. And you have a choice to make right now. You going to give up? Or are you going to find a better way? Now, it sounds like a question. It wasn't a question. <laughs> I said, so, we're going to hang in there a little longer. I want you to go in the garage, look around. There are all kinds of tools. I want you to use your mind and... You're going to get those stakes in the ground one way or another if it takes all day long. And I walked away. I remember watching them. They went back and forth to the garage, and they got different tools. And finally, they, they got an old army shovel that I've had since I was a kid. They bring it out. And I thought, oh, this is going to get Interesting. And they took the stake, and they started pounding on that stake. And they pounded for three or four minutes on this thing. And they got done, let go of it, and it fell over. <laughs> and maybe a half inch in the ground, you know. And so they picked the stake up. Actually, they threw the stake, I think, at that point. And they started digging. And they took turns digging. And pretty soon, they come over, got my attention, they're like, Dad, come come see what we did. And I walked over, and no joke, I saw about much, that much of the steak was sticking out of the ground. <laughs> and I kind of looked at it, and they're like, we weren't sure how tall you wanted it. And I'm like, eh, it's a little short. And so I, I picked it up out of the ground, and I kind of sifted dirt into it and finally got it to somewhat normal height. But here's what I remember about that was as I was doing that, I watched the girls, and in their eyes, it screamed satisfaction. It screamed, I did it. And I have hoped and prayed and presented hundreds of challenges like that in all kinds of variety of areas of life in hopes that it would develop an inner competency in them. You know, that they would say to themselves, you know what, I learned something. If I practice something and experiment and think through it and keep at it long enough, if I just keep my nose to the grindstone, I can get the job done one way or another. And ultimately, in their hearts, they're thinking, you know what, I can stand on my own. I can stand on my own. And I'm doing the same thing with my grandkids now. You know, the other day they were helping me bring in uh, groceries and the bag was too heavy. And I said, figure it out. They kind of looked, and pretty soon they each grabbed a handle. We got some of those uh, um, recyclable things. And they grabbed, and they're carrying it up the steps together in unison. And uh, they, were, they were beaming. They were beaming. You know, I have talked to parents, and the one thing I hear often from folks that have raised their children, they say, If I had it to do again, I would do less for my kids and have them do more for themselves. The only way a child develops competence is by facing challenges of life. Luke 16 puts it this way. Whoever can be trusted with a little can also be trusted with a lot. if you can't be trusted with the things that belong to someone else, who will give you the things of your own? Do not underestimate the importance of enrolling your kids. Early on, again, age-appropriate stuff, but challenge them. Stretch them. Let them fail. Let them fail. Let them fail. We got that one? Because there's, there's something to be learned in failure. Get up next to them when they fail and help them try it again. Help them think through it. Core stuff, core stuff. Here's the third thing. Develop their interface capabilities. You know, we have all witnessed breathtaking changes and advancements in research and technology, manufacturing, all this stuff. And, And we have gotten better at building things, building computers and cars and missiles and microchips. And what's interesting, in this same era we have gotten worse at building and sustaining relationships. Consequently, we struggle with relationships. You know, in a day of TV and Internet and iPods and Xboxes and things that allow us to just kind of push people to the side, what's happening is we're developing people that are pretty inept at dealing with relationships, you know children they, they can't discern how they feel inside, much less communicate that to, to someone else. You know we, we don't have a clue what to do when when uh, a relationships suffering or, or struggling. You, know, you have a spatial rift, so to speak, with someone, and kids who never learn this, a skill for for managing relationships, for having a meaningful uh, dialogue with with other people. You know, that don't understand how to ask or answer the kind of questions that really build for a strong relational foundation. You don't teach your children this? Let me tell you, you are heading them down a road full of heartache and frustration in every area of life. You know, parents, commit yourself to teaching your children relational skills. You know, a few suggestions that you ought to put to work is, one, you know, get in the habit of asking them questions. You know, force them to discuss how they feel. You know, when they come in from school, instead of going, how was your day? What do they say? Fine. It's okay. Awful. They give you a one-word answer. Don't let them off that easy. You know, say... What was the high point of your day today? What was the low point? You know, tell me what's going on in your life. You know, how, how do you feel about your friends? How do you feel about school? How do you feel about that class? And I know, as, a, as you start this, kids are a little resistant. You know, I, I'm going through that with the grandkids. I'll go, what would you learn at school today? What'd you learn at school today? Nothing. You know. I'll ask them about the zone today. I'll go, What'd you learn? Nothing. And then somewhere during lunch, they'll start going, Well, and this and this and this, but you know, you gotta work at it. You gotta help them. You gotta draw them out. Those kind of conversations will go a long way at helping them build relational skills. You know, another suggestion is that you have to teach and model what to do. What to do when a relationship is bruised, when it's broken. I mean, over the years, you've got to help them through that. I mean, Cindy and I decided that we would not hide everything from our kids. That we would let them know marriage takes work that there are relational struggles in ministry or in vocation or at school or work or whatever, that it's just part of life and that all relationships go through some tough waters sometimes. And almost every relationship is subject to some kind of breakdown. And when those things happen, we wanted to teach our kids not to withdraw, not to go to the corner and pout. Again, okay, let's be clear, age-appropriate stuff. Kids don't need to know everything, but they, they should understand how to navigate these waters. How do you think they learn it? I get a little troubled. Uh, you know, folks will come up and go, never, never let our kids know anything. And it's like, and then I talk to the kids, and the kids are like, I don't know. Our marriage is awful because my parents never fought. And it's like, no, they did. You just didn't know it. And they, if they tell you they didn't, they're lying. <laughs> you know, we've got a different issue because we struggle. Teach your children the importance of communicating. You know, talk to them, connect with them, help them work through their own issues, their own problems. Again, teach them healthy conflict resolution patterns. And by teaching them, what you'll do is you'll prepare them for strong relationships. You'll prepare them for healthy dating. You'll prepare them for having a solid marriage for relating constructively at work or at school or in their neighborhoods or at church, wherever. Parents take advantage of that. Every opportunity, every step of the way, help them develop their interface capabilities. Here's the last one. Prepare them for warp speed. Now this one I'm going to tether back to what we talked about last week. The Prime Directive. Because this has to do with values. You know, there's a standard line that, that pilots use when they foul up their navigation. And so they're up there flying and they're not quite sure where, where everything's at. And they'll say, I don't know where I'm, I am. I don't know where I'm going. But I'm getting there at a high rate of speed. Here, here's what it's possible for you to do. It is possible for you to raise a child with a health, healthy self esteem, has lots of competence, that they're able to work and they understand the challenges of life. And you can teach them to have great relational skills, but you can launch them into life with an enormous amount of velocity. And here's the big question where are they going? Because velocity is right down dangerous without proper direction. And that's what values give you, is direction. And I want to say this as emphatically as I know how. That if you want to raise your children so that they can reach their God-given potential, so that they can live life to its fullest, so they can experience all of the joy and all of the peace that's possible in this world, You cannot ignore the spiritual dimension of their life. You have to instill in them godly values. You know, I I hear people, it's kind of the the laser age where people go, you know, we're going to allow our kid to kind of spiritually figure themselves out. You know, we're not going to give them a parental bias on this one. Sounds great. Sounds American, sounds pluralistic, sounds tolerant, but friends, it is flawed big time because it is impossible to grow up in our society with value-free environments. The fact is your kids are going to get bombarded all the time, turn on the TV for a couple hours, and they're going to receive hundreds if not thousands of value-intense images On morality, on ethics, on sexuality, on the importance of money, power, pleasure, you know, love and hate. They're going to learn all of these things. And then turn on the radio, kick on the iPods or the Internet, and we'll talk more about that uh, next week. But more stuff coming at them. School Relativism, humanism, pretty much rule. And here's my point: There is no such thing as value-free environment. It doesn't exist. Here's the issue: Who's going to impress the values on your children? God? You? or society? Now, I want to, want to be very clear. The Bible does not advocate us imparting spiritual values in some rigid, matil- kind of uh, matillary uh, fashion. I mean, that breeds resentment. It breeds rebellion. But the Bible says that we're to impart spiritual values on our children. And it gives us a good model. It says, you must teach these commands to your children and talk about them when you're at home or out for a walk or at bedtime and the first thing every morning. In other words, the challenge, parents, is for you to look at life and live life close enough to your children that you're walking close enough with them that you can make spiritual observations along the way about a truth, about how to live life, how to make a decision. You know, you're, you're watching TV to kind of point out. I mean, there are all kinds of subtle values being lifted up on the network. And at points to actually compare. I mean, if you've got TiVo, just pause it. You know, if you don't, wait till the show's over and then say, you know, we were watching that program... And in that program, they seem to indicate it's okay to steal sometimes. And at that point, it's conversation time. Say, the show says that it's okay to steal sometimes. But God's word says it's never okay. I mean, what do you think? You know, who's smarter, God or Fox Network? You can have a good conversation there. You know, you're driving on 67. Someone cuts you off. Honk. Shake your fist. Stop the car at that point. It's teaching time. Go, the reaction you just saw out of your mother is unacceptable. (laughs) It could happen. (laughs) <laughs> no don't, don't do it that way cough yourself up you know the reaction you just saw out of me that was not a godly man that was a guy out of control what do you think I should have done what do you think would have been a better approach what would have pleased God more I don't care what age they are they could, they, they'd be able to have a conversation around this. Jesus used life lessons all the time. I mean, when he was working with the disciples and trying to help them, he, he would point things out. He'd point to birds and bushes and wildflowers and all kinds of things to make important spiritual observation. You know, again, he didn't cram it down their throat. He didn't, didn't say, now you're going to do this regardless. But it was just Creativity. Where he goes, see that little sparrow? No, 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 no. The one way up there. See that tiny little sparrow up there? Listen, if that sparrow was to fall right now, God would notice that. God cares. Look at the sparrow. If God knows... What's going on with that little sparrow? You do not have to lay awake tonight wondering, I wonder if God notices what I'm facing, what I'm struggling with, what I'm going through. Guys, you don't have to worry. Every time you see a sparrow, I want you to remember God is watching. God is loving and kind. And if God sees that, he sees you. Parents, you can walk through life that way. Loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And all you need to do is make some observations along the way. You know, to bring a spiritual reality to your child. To to bring it to life so that they understand it in a meaningful way. I mean, you would be amazed how receptive kids are when you pull up alongside them. You know... I think I've shared before, my my dad, I don't think my dad ever sat and read the Bible with me. My mom did numerous times, used to make sure I was at church and stuff. But my dad, he never He never did that. But my dad had a way of painting lessons for me throughout my life. You know, I, I can recall how he helped me understand money. You know, and I remember I was like in sixth grade maybe, And uh, we were at the grocery store down at Kroger's. It was down the street from us. And uh, we got our groceries, and we were like 40 cents short. And uh, the cashier, she loaned us the 40 cents. And so we drove home, and I jumped out of the car. And Dad goes, no, 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 just sit. I'll be right back. And I'm like, what? He goes, we're going to take the money back. And I'm like, okay. So on our way back to the store, he goes, Son, when you borrow money, I don't care whether it's a dollar or $5,000, you always pay your bills. You always do what you say. It's the right thing. It's a godly thing to do. Even if you have to do without, and I mean he launched into quite a production. I thought that was a five-mile ride instead of a few blocks. But we got to the store. He goes, come on, let's take the money in and pay her back. And I remember that. I mean, that was a parable brought to life. I I still remember. It was 40 cents. The the cashier was Yvonne. And my dad taught me that lesson. And, And here's the strange thing about that. Years later, I'm in high school. I work at Kroger with Yvonne. Later, some more years ahead, I'm pastor in Springfield. Her son was a member of my church. Years later, I'm down here. I get a call one day. Carter says, My mom's got cancer. She's dying. Would you call her? And I picked up the phone and I called her. And we talked for a while. And in that conversation, as I'm talking to her, she goes, You remember the first time we met? I go, Yeah. She goes, Do you remember repaying me that money? I said, yeah. She says, I always remembered that. She said, because all the years I was a cashier, I rarely had anybody give me my money back. All these years later, profound effect, not, not just on me, but on the people that were involved. Simple lesson. Not very complex, not very exciting, even. It wasn't rigid, wasn't something I fought against, but it was a simple truth taught with love and wisdom and God's value system, backing it up. And friends, here's what I want to tell you. Those stick. They stick. Take advantage of those opportunities. Take advantage of this church coming alongside you. Get your kids in the zone. You know, let us help you. But just like the prime directive, you know, we said you can't show your kids God if you don't know God and have a relationship with God. It's the same thing on this one. You have got to have a spiritual foundation. You need to be spending time in God's word. You need to be growing in your faith so that you can help them develop their values. Proverbs 22, 6. Train children to live the right way. And when they're old, They will not stray from it. Next week I'm going to continue the the deep space nine stuff. We'll get the last five pieces and a little heads up. Next week, prepare to go shields up, okay? This week, homework. Parents, grandparents. How are you doing building your child's force field on the self esteem front? How are you doing there? You know, have you got your kids enrolled? In Starfleet Academy? Are you giving them responsibility? Again, age-appropriate stuff. Are you teaching them competence in their life? Are you developing their interface capabilities, their, their relational skills? You know, Are you helping them? Again, age-appropriate stuff. And are you preparing your child for warp speed? Because it will come faster than you realize. You need to give them a spiritual foundation so they can navigate life. And then ask yourself, how could you improve on each of those? Again, I believe we can do this stuff with each other's help and with God's help. Now, it's Mother's Day. And I would like to pray for our moms. Uh, just if you're a mom, a grandma, uh, if you've got neighborhood kids that you, maybe you're not a biological parent, but you are a parent and you have influence I'd ask our our ladies to just stand up for a minute, and I'm going to pray for you. And we want to thank you because you have an incredible influence, not only on your own children, your own grandchildren, but all kids. And uh, do not underestimate that. You know, my two neighbors, when mom, mom wasn't catching me, my two neighbors, they were all over me. Trust me, it took, a, it took like three villages to raise me. But, uh, you know, you will never know the impact. And I also would challenge you to thank God if whoever it was that pulled up next to you when you were growing up. You know, maybe they've passed and gone on. Take some time out today and say, you know what, Mom, Grandma, you know, neighbor, if you hadn't stepped in, I just want you to know what that meant. And just find a quiet place and lift that up to God. But let's pray let's pray for everyone today. Our glorious God, we thank you for these women. God, you created fearfully and wonderfully when you created moms. And God, they come in all forms. whether that was mom or grandma or neighbor or teacher. God, I pray that you would give wisdom. We give you thanks for their lives. I pray that you would give them the strength to be women of God, to be who you created them to be. God, we thank you for the moms that are no longer with us, that have given those sure anchors, those have taught us so many things. God, we just pray for all of our parents because it is a new world. God, I pray we would strengthen one another, that we'd sharpen one another, that we'd be the people you created us to be. God, we thank you. For all things, we thank you this day. Amen. Thanks, moms.